Resiliency Within with host Elaine Miller Karras is brought to you by Trauma Resource Institute Incorporated. Visit traumaresourceinstitute.com. Welcome to Resiliency Within, featuring your host, Elaine Miller Karras. In unprecedented times, our beliefs and well being are put to the test. When we take the things we've learned in life and look at challenges in a whole new way, we learn to develop resiliency, which can then be used to promote healing and personal strength. Now, here is Elaine Miller-Karis. Welcome to Resiliency Within. I am your host, Elaine Miller-Karis. Our show today highlights the Resilient Retreat, and I welcome my guests, the founder and board chair, Dr. Sidney Turner and the executive director, Lisa Intagliata. Resilient Retreat was formed in 2018 and has been providing interdisciplinary workshops and training to victims of trauma since 2019. Over 450 trauma victims, including survivors of abuse, sexual assault and domestic violence, first responders, and helping professions, professionals such as teachers and nurses have been treated free to date to heal their minds, their bodies, and the spirit. Let me share a bit more about Dr. Turner and Ms. Intagliata. I love to say that name, by the way. It's so (laughs) wonderfully Italian. Uh, Yeah, so, and I understand you love Italy too. I Um, do. It's got a soft spot in my heart. Well, let me say a little bit about Sydney first. So she has her PhD. She's an affiliate assistant professor in the Department of Community and Family Health at the University of South Florida. As a psychologist and a researcher, she has dedicated the last decade to advocating for survivors of trauma, and studying evidence-based strategies to prevent and intervene in situations involving trauma. And then Lisa is, I believe that's a certified fundraising executive. Is that what those initials stand for? Did I get that right? You got it right. I love that. (laughs) And over the past 25 years, and I can't believe it because you look like you're 25 years old. Oh, well, thank you. Thank you. um, Our radio listeners, Lisa has worked (laughs) in the fund development field for nonprofit organizations, primarily in the areas of healthcare and higher education. But Lisa is a graduate of the Leadership Sarasota Program and is a member of the Southwest Florida Chapter of the Association of Funding Professionals. So welcome, ladies. And as we get started, I'm going to ask this question. What's on your mind today as we get started? So Lisa, you want to go first and let us know what you're thinking about. Sure. Well, um, I'm just thank you again for having Sydney and I on your program and um, hoping that we can just um, just share with with the listeners and the viewers on Facebook Live, you know, what what we're doing here in Sarasota, Florida, hopefully to help people not just locally in, in the state of Florida, but really around the globe and throughout the United States with um, some of our free services. And, and we're about to open a facility and want to share that great news as well. No, and so that's happening in November, the actual opening. It is. And I you have someone pretty famous coming on board, I imagine. We do. I've heard. Yes, we're really, really excited. We've got Ashley Judd, who's a obviously a celebrity and a, an adult survivor of child abuse herself, um, who's coming in as our keynote speaker for our grand opening on November the 3rd. Well, that is so exciting and such an amazing effort that you all put together. So I'm going to go over to Sydney and see Sydney now and see if you have anything that's on your mind as we're getting started. Yeah, I've just been um, thinking a little bit about the pandemic. And I feel like everywhere I go, I can't, it's just, it's so present everywhere I go. For example, I was at a restaurant the other day and all the staff just walked out and quit on the spot. And the restaurant was just empty. 
And it's, it's been interesting because sometimes I feel like the wheels on the bus are kind of starting to fall off and it's connected to the pandemic, but it's one of those things we're not always talking about just how um, the pandemic and the trauma we've all gone through globally, not all the same, but we've all gone through globally, um, how that's impacting people and their window of tolerance. I hear a lot of people saying, things like people don't want to work or people not understanding that a lot of this is stemming from trauma responses to um, what we've been going through for the past two years. And as you tell us that story, I'm thinking about, you know, when we have that little um, colloquialism, the straw that breaks the camel's back, obviously something happened in that restaurant because they've been, they've been working for a long time that sent them over the edge and they said, that's it. I'm, Mm -hmm. I'm, I'm, I'm done. But I think that's been happening cumulatively to many of us and maybe having responses that are a little bit unusual for ourselves. Mm-hmm. And that's why I think the whole topic of, you know, having a resiliency and a resilient retreat is, is so incredibly important right now. And, you know, I want to ask you a question, Sydney, and that is that, you know, what inspired you to, to, start, to, to start the resilient retreat? I mean, there must have been something in your own life history or something that just said, this needs to happen. What, what was it? Yeah. So my own, my own personal history stems from trauma. Um, for most of my life, I experienced really severe abuse, life-threatening and chronic. And I really, it was a form of torture, what I went through for many, many decades. And uh, most of my life, I lived in that chronic state of fear and anxiety. And so that experience of living with chronic PTSD for 20 years, and it took me about 10 years of actively trying to find a solution to get help. And I saw so many different experts throughout the country begging people, please, I, I don't want to just survive what's happened to me. I really want to thrive afterwards. Many of the people who had gone through the trauma that I had gone through ended up dead through suicide or substance use or drinking to numb all coping mechanisms, the only tools that they knew at the time. And I didn't want that for my life. I wanted to be well and to really live. And so it was interesting because I met with many doctors, experts in the field, and they would say, you know, I think you should kind of just expect that this is just what's going to happen because of what you've lived through and you just kind of have to accept it. And I, I wasn't willing to do that. So I just kept trying all these different things, you know, experimental drugs or new therapy programs or whatever. And um, one day I just had a eureka moment of, man, I used to do dance as a kid. Let me get back into my dance class again. I really miss that. And about two months in, I noticed that my PTSD symptoms had greatly diminished. And I thought, wait a second, what's going on here? I definitely think this is connected to my dance classes. And then I started doing yoga and they further started to diminish. And as I pursued my own degree in psychology, I realized just how much of trauma is impacting the body and the spirit. And none of the practitioners I was seeing were really talking about that. So I was in academia, I was publishing research on trauma, and I thought, no one's doing this. Someone's got to get out there and really start. People were talking about it, but I didn't know anyone that was boots on the ground doing it. So that's really why I started Brazilian Retreat. Well, and I'm so glad that you decided, <laughs> even though I greatly respect many people that are in the field of healthcare and that treat trauma, but basically they were more or less saying, well, you just kind of have to live with it, girl. And you're saying, oh, wait a second. No, I don't. 
I mean, you, there was something inside of you, Sydney, that was this little spirit that said, I got to find that some answer. And so I just, I'm, and the reason why I'm really wanting to kind of hold on to that for a moment is that there are many listeners out there probably going, well, that's my life. How did Sydney find a way? Mm-hmm. So remember, and so what you're conveying to me is hope, mm-hmm. that there is a hope. And so that you're trying, you created a center where people can come and find that hope. Exactly. So that, that is so exciting. Um, exactly. And, and not so, everyone's story is going to look like mine. You know, I know dance no. isn't for everybody, but the, the point is to have that hope for healing. And, and I think a key piece for me too, was finding meaning and purpose. And I believe with all my heart that this is what I was meant to do on this earth. And I am so grateful to be able to do it. I think meaning and purpose is everything, but if we have had a lot of trauma and when you said something really important, it is in the body that we can try to think our way out of it, but thinking our way out of it doesn't necessarily help the body be relieved of the suffering that we've had. So even though dance may not be for everyone, I'm going to put in a little bit of a plug for movement Mm -hmm. because we know that when we move the large muscles of our arms and our legs, it can actually help us come in what we call in our, the model that, that we've talked a lot about here and back into our, our resilient zone, our zone of well-being that some, some of us have found it's elusive that we'll never find it. But I guess you're proof in the pudding that it's possible. So, goodness, thank you for sharing that bit of, a bit of your history. And I'm going to ask Lisa the same question. Lisa, you have an amazing career of raising money, which is very hard to do uh, for many people who start nonprofits. We can have the idea, but go, you want me to go ask for money? Oh, my gosh, I don't know if I can do that. So, can you tell us a little bit about what was it that made you start to think about you wanted to fundraise for nonprofits and especially for a resilient retreat? Sure. Well, I know a lot of people feel the same way, like, oh gosh, how could you be a fundraiser? You know, they, it's almost like a dirty word and I would never <laughs> ask anybody for money, but I always like to think of it as sort of a, you're a matchmaker and, you know, it's, it's a joy and a pleasure to be able to take a need that's in the community and marry it with a donor's passion for a cause. And, and the, the universe, you know, comes together and then you just have this wonderful, perfect event that happens resulting in, in um, a donation. So it's it's a real pleasure to serve in that role. And I met Sydney. It was sort of, again, the universe bringing us all together. A friend of a friend introduced me to Sydney and she said, just have lunch and, and hear her out. She's building this new center. And, um, you know, after I heard her story and what she was doing and how unique the opportunity was to create something really from the ground up, and um, Sydney had done just a terrific job in um, this organization's only been around about three years and I've been here too. So she, that first year, she was out in the community, networking, meeting people, going to various, you know, civic uh, groups and just talking a resilient retreat and uh, just bringing a lot of people forward to come on tours of our property. And it just made it really easy when she did hire staff um, for us to be able to introduce people to resilient retreat in a more formal way. And um, people, I think, especially after COVID hit, um, really resonated with what trauma was that maybe they didn't identify with, with a traumatic experience before and they were fortunate not to have. But I think during COVID, everybody's had some form of trauma hit their lives, and they they definitely can relate to or empathize with trauma in a different way now. Um, I joined the team in February of 2020 as the first executive director of Resilient Retreat, and then it was locked down like three weeks later. Oh, my gosh. So, yeah, so it was it was a challenge, but in a way... 
it was a blessing because there was an answer for a lot of people in the community as to um, roles that we could fill or education that we could provide that wasn't there um, in our community or beyond uh, before that. Well, and I'm, that just also reminds me of something else. You all just got an award. Can you just mention that, Lisa? Because that's probably a pretty cool thing sure. in your community for only being three years old. Yeah, so we have a, a local magazine called SRQ Magazine, and they vote on like the best of the best in our community as voted on by the readers. And we were just awarded the best health nonprofit in Sarasota County uh, by SRQ Magazine's readers. So we were thrilled. And so one of the things I asked, I go, well, are there two nonprofits in Sarasota County? But there's 1,700 in the two-county area, right? Yeah. So that is a very big deal. It is. So it congratulations is. to both of you. Thank you. Getting this off the ground. So why don't we go in a little t- and talk a little bit more about um, what is the Resilient Retreat? So what do you do there? You know, how did this all, you know, the whole concept of what it is? So maybe I can come to Sydney and you can since this was kind of your brainchild, Sydney, what is it? Yeah. So my goal was to have one place where people can try a variety of evidence-based treatments for trauma. I always call it the trauma healing buffet platter. Let's try a little bit of this. Like a smorgasbord. Okay. I can get into that. (laughs) And that's, you know, really there is no one size fits all approach to healing trauma. And so you really do need a buffet platter. And so people are always like, what's your stick? What's the one thing you do? I'm like, we heal trauma. That's what we do. We're not really tied to any one program and everything we do is evidence-based. So we go into the research on trauma. I'm you know, was fortunate to have a background in academia and publishing peer-reviewed articles. So we go through all the research and we say, okay, what's really promising treatments for trauma? How can we offer them at Resilient Retreat at no cost? Because it's all about accessibility and making it, you know, um, very accessible to our community. And then how can we make that easily accessible? So we do a variety of things. We do day programs where people can hop on a Zoom call to do some of the programs or come in person. Um, And then the idea behind the retreat is coming overnight and staying for an extended period to really try out that buffet platter, maybe try a couple things more than once to really fine tune what works best for you. And the overnight that's going to be happening starting in November, is that going on now as well? No. So our, our facilities are currently being built. So we'll be able to house up to 30 people at a time for overnight retreats. Um, But we're also hearing from our community that people are wanting day retreats or just one night. We had planned for three to five day retreats, Uh but we're hearing from our community that one day retreats that are not overnight or one overnight retreat could be helpful for people, especially if they have kids or they have other responsibilities. So a lot of what we do is be flexible and we hear the community um, what they're needing. And then we also evaluate it. Okay, what's working for our community and what's not working? And so then you're going to continue that process because if you're doing day treatment programs, I imagine you're getting a lot of ideas for the, for the longer stay program. But I was also really intrigued is that you were able to get 84 acres of conservation land for your resilient retreat. How did that happen? Oh my <laughs> goodness. Who's going who's gonna to answer that one? I, I'm happy to answer that. All right, Elaine. go, ahead, go um, ahead. So again, it goes back to a really philanthropic community that we have here in Sarasota County. Um, and we had a donor who was affiliated with our local conservation foundation of the Gulf Coast who wanted to preserve this 84-acre beautiful parcel of land um, here in Sarasota because, as you can imagine, Florida is a popular destination. People want to move here. So a lot of the 
area around us is, is of course being developed and they wanted to preserve this parcel to make sure that it lives on in perpetuity is natural and um, they also wanted to do something really good for humankind with it so uh, we got together through a mutual donor who turned us on to the conservation foundation and one thing led to another and the donor opted to donate to resilient retreat because of our mission and the fact that we agreed to keep it a conservation uh, easement um, and build on less than 1% of the property. And it just marries perfectly with our mission of bringing our participants out in nature. Nature's so healing, so grounding. They can come and do meditations out by the meditation pond. They can go through nature walks. They can horseback ride. They can feed our cows on the property. Uh, we're bringing equine therapy on the property, gardening in our community garden. So it's just a wonderful outdoor space for healing. Well, so the other part that intrigues me is that I did hear you say it was free, that it people is. don't have to pay to come to the, res- and it's like 30 people at a time. I can imagine you're going to get inundated with people wanting to come here the way you're describing it. So how do people access to be able to, you know, who are you serving and how do they access, how do you screen people? I mean, I imagine mm-hmm. it's going to be challenging once people find out about you. Well, we are currently screening participants, so anyone can call our, our number, um, 941-343-0039, and we go through like, you know, about a 10-minute screen-in process just about your history and what you are looking for as far as in your trauma healing journey. And then um, if you qualify for services, again, it does not depend on any income because they're free services and all confidential, um, then you can immediately uh, plug into our programs, our day programs happening now, as, as Sydney mentioned. And we're able to provide these free programming, uh, free programs and services and the retreats due to philanthropic dollars. So support from foundations, individuals, corporations, and, and through phil- philanthropic dollars is what's, what's allowing us to do it. Yeah, go oh, ahead. Sorry. Yes, go I, ahead, just, I just wanted to say in our volunteers, so we have over 200 volunteers, therapists, yoga teachers. And so a lot of our programs are facilitated by volunteers that get trained by us on how to be trauma-informed. So it um, doesn't always add up to be a huge cost for us in that sense. And many of our participants go on to be donors to support the mission so that other people can then receive services in the future. Well, that was the question I wanted to ask was that are there people who, let's say, have means and say, oh, my goodness, it's been a great program for me. Can I give you some money even though you didn't charge me? So people will then donate. Yeah, yeah we, we have actually- something... Oh, sorry, Lisa. We have a grateful participant program where people can actually sign up to give financially, volunteer-wise, um, share through testimonial, uh, share at an event. We've had participants. So it's an opt-in program. So people can opt in. And, and a lot of people say part of their healing journey is giving back. And so that's also part of healing for some people is being able to give back in whatever capacity they're capable of. Well, we do know that we have gratitude networks in our brain. So that's, I mean, thinking about it philanthropically, if you get benefit from it and then you want to give back, that's that's the perfect marriage of something that also then provides healing for the person who gives. So, I mean, it sounds like a, a beautiful way that you've constructed even the giving of your organization. So what is the mission? What Can you tell us a little bit about the mission? Which one of you would like to grapple that one? I'm, I'm happy to do that. Um, so we're all about empowering survivors of, of trauma to really heal through self-care and building a supportive community. 
think one thing that we hear a lot from participants, um, even in sitting in support groups with them, a lot of times people can't identify even one person that they really feel connected to, that they really feel they could turn to for support. And, you know, to me, that that was really shocking. And it's resilient retreat can be that door opener and that one place where people can come to plug into a supportive community to meet that one other person with a shared experience or a staff member or a volunteer, then, you know, that's just hugely impactful. So that's, that's our mission and our goal is to bring mind, free, confidential mind, body, and spirit programs um, to, to survivors of trauma and help them, you know, through building self-care and, and community. So I'm just wondering, and I think our, my listeners really love to hear stories. Mm-hmm. Can you share a story of someone who came to the one of your offerings and that they felt that they were changed, that who have allowed you to speak about their their experience? I'm happy to share a story. Yes, please. Of, of one of our first participants that came to Resilient Retreat, they walked in our doors and sat down and said, "Listen, I am dying of cancer." And the one thing I want before I pass, they were a survivor of abuse and also a helping professional, a nurse. And they said, the one thing I want before I die is to heal my trauma. Mm. At the time they were dying, as I mentioned, from cancer, they were homeless and living in their car and they had no teeth and, and had not taken a shower for weeks and they were in a very bad place. And I said, come on in let's figure out what the next step is for you. So we work with this participant for about um, two years, you know, um, helping them address their trauma, but not just address their trauma, find housing, find healthcare. I mean, we were really navigators with them um, side by side. I always say we walk side by side with participants, not in front and not behind. Our goal is to walk through their journey with them and meet them wherever they are at, including living out of a car and being homeless and so the, the participant went through equine therapy, neurofeedback, um, and really has gone to such a place that they now have housing. They're now in remission from cancer. They now have a job, a job for the first time in over 10 years, and they're now a volunteer of ours. So I feel like that story really, um, and they're giving back in many ways. They've done, the reason I share their story is because they've shared their story publicly and they've given us permission to share their story. Normally, we can't share stories. But, of course. Um, but it was just a really powerful example. And I really feel like there is so much we don't know about trauma and health as well. I mean, I, I can't say our services cause the person to go in remission or anything like that. But I do think there is a connection between trauma and health. And we know that, you know, people who go through trauma are more likely to develop cancer, diabetes. But what about healing trauma? And can that also help improve health? I, I don't really think we have the answers to those questions yet, but I've seen it anecdotally with our participants. At well, and I think that there's there's ways, I think, especially when you bring the body into the equation. So many treatments of therapies have been talk therapies, which can have a, you know, so there's a power to being witnessed, of course, but there is also something about learning that there are physiological um, uh, responses that are common for people throughout the globe when they've had traumatic experiences. And it sounds like I've heard you both say mind, body, and spirit. So when I heard you talk about dance, Sydney, and equine therapy that I really do felt that helps the body. So are there other therapies that you do that incorporate the mind, body, and spirit that you can tell us about um, that people could um, have, again, the smorgasbord um, when they come to the resilient retreat? 
Sure. I'll, I'll name off a few. And then I think Sydney will have some that, that maybe I um, don't mention. So um, kind of going along that smorgasbord platter, we want to really help curate a menu um, alongside the participant. Everything that we do is empowerment based. So we want them to uh, kind of guide us. We'll do an initial assessment uh, and then they can sample those things and hopefully leave the retreat with a uh, toolkit that they can use in their daily lives. And Part of the, the toolkit could be neurofeedback, like Sydney mentioned. Uh, it could be um, equine therapy. Some of the more body-based work is trauma-informed yoga, foam rolling, um, you know, tapping, um, mindfulness classes, uh, nature walks, um, and then you know, sound baths out in nature that we do with a local partnership with our Von Wesel Performing Arts Foundation. And then do things like you know, art. Uh, therapy, journaling, a thing called Zentangle, which is an art therapy, animal therapy. We have a wonderful um, uh, therapy dog named Journey, who's sort of our resident retreat dog. Uh, and he's an Australian Labradoodle and as oh. cute as can be, he's on our website. Um, so Journey will go around and spend time with participants and really hones in on anyone that's struggling, you know, if, if he's working a support group with us, for example. Um, and then the horses are certainly animal therapy. And uh, we just visited uh, Friday with a local um, a bird sanctuary who takes traumatized parrots and uh, mm. works with veterans. And so we're talking to them about coming out and working with our participants. Um, so um, we're really open to trying new things, but those are some of the things we've been doing already. And Sydney, uh, let me know if, if, if I've missed anything, because we we're trying so many different things right now. No, I mean, I think you touched on a lot of them, but I think art and music is a really key piece to addressing some of those spiritual aspects. Um, most people know about post-traumatic stress disorder, but most people don't know about the flip side, which is post-traumatic growth. And so I think when you address a lot of those spiritual elements, you really start to promote some of that post-traumatic growth, which is in essence making lemonade out of lemons and really finding meaning and purpose, appreciation for what you have gone through in your life, how it's helped you, new possibilities, relationships, building on your strengths. Um, and I think that that's a key piece of what we aim to do at Resilient Retreat. Well, and, I'm, and also I can't help but think too that, Sydney, from what you've described about your own life experience, having founded the organization, that you've been through so much in your own personal journey. And then to find such meaning and purpose, you must be quite a, um, a mentor to many of the people that come through the program. Yes. And I think that's something we're also looking into is having people who've gone through trauma then go on to be in mentor roles, just like I've had the opportunity to do and be able to show people that healing is possible. Like I don't have PTSD anymore. That is unbelievable. Like it's. Okay. It's so I want to, I want to underscore this. And when we come back from our break, I'd like you to talk a little bit more about that. I'd like to talk about it as post-traumatic um, stress condition rather than disorder. Because when we say disorder, it means like, it feels like it's going to be there forever. But I also believe like you that there can be healing. But sometimes if you, if some of our listeners have encountered some of the health providers that you encountered, they more or less gave you a, a sentence saying, you'll never get better. And so we're here to say you can and that there are treatments and there are different ways of approaching it that I want to just also emphasize that not one fits all. And that when we have that smorgasbord, I love that. You called it, you called it something else. I think I called it the smorgasbord. Um, 
But when that happens, then you can say, oh, well, it's okay that maybe mindfulness didn't work for me, but the equine therapy really worked for me. Because I think what also happens is in people who have trauma, because we already feel shame anyway, then we feel more shame because the treatments that are supposed to help us aren't helping us. So when we come back from the break, Sydney and Lisa are going to talk more with us about these treatments and the things that they have seen that have been working at their center. And they're going to tell us a little bit more about what they're going to be launching in November, because I want to hear a little bit more about the structure of what that's going to look like. So we'll be back in just a couple of minutes, and we'll continue our conversation with Sydney and Lisa from Resilient Retreat. Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America. The Trauma Resource Institute is a nonprofit organization cultivating trauma-informed and resiliency-focused individuals and communities worldwide. Our mission is to take people from despair to hope. We believe in a world where every child and adult has the capacity to recover from highly stressful and traumatic experiences. Check out iChill, our free app that helps you learn the wellness skills of the community and trauma resiliency models. Go to TraumaResourceInstitute.com for more information. Elaine Miller-Karras' book, Building Resiliency to Trauma, The Trauma and Community Resiliency Models, is available on Amazon.com. The book is about how to cultivate resiliency during and in the aftermath of traumatic experiences. The book also addresses body-based trauma interventions combined with psychoeducation about the biology of trauma and resiliency. Elaine also offers personal consultations. For more information, you can contact her at elaine at resiliencywithin.com. These days, everyone is looking for information on staying young, healthy, and fit. The Voice America Health and Wellness Network is here to help you on your quest to better health and a better you. We talk about everything from diet, fitness, and aging to substance abuse, personal growth, mental health, and much more. Learn from our experts who cover health and wellness from traditional and holistic perspectives. Tune in to the Voice America Health and Wellness Network. Healthy living starts here. Elaine Miller-Karras co-founded the Trauma Resource Institute, Incorporated. The Institute provides trainings on the models Elaine developed, the Community Resiliency Model, or CRM, and the Trauma Resiliency Model, or TRM. If you would like more information about the Trauma Resource Institute or how to participate in trainings, visit the Institute's website at traumaresourceinstitute.com. That's traumaresourceinstitute.com. Trauma Resource Institute. Build resilience. Awaken hope. Your life, your health, your network. You're listening to Voice America Health & Wellness. This is Resiliency Within with Elaine miller Karras. To reach the show during our live broadcast, please call in to 1-866-472-5792. That's 1-866-472-5792. You may also send an email to elaine at resiliencywithin.com. Now, back to this week's show. Welcome back. I'm here with Sydney Turner and Lisa Intagliata. 
and we are learning about the amazing resilient retreat and we have been t- we were talking right before the break about the different modalities that are being used there and we were talking about just um, during the break actually the importance of um, having these body-centered models. And I know, Sydney, can you kind of elaborate a little more about what we were talking about on the break? Because I think it's really important for our, our Voice America listeners to hear your perspective. Yeah, so I think that there was this older paradigm that when people think of trauma or someone who's been raped or any type of trauma that happens, they always think, go see a counselor, which is great. But that was like the go-to option and really the only option. Um, And there's a lot of reasons why that's problematic. Counseling is not accessible to people in all cultures. Um, It's not an option affordability-wise for everybody. And counseling often doesn't address the body-based aspects of trauma. And I'll share a personal experience of what was happening with me. So one of the, the symptoms that I struggled with Um, eliminating the most, even after, you know, 10 plus years of counseling was this um, hypervigilance and delayed startle response. So an example is I'd be in school and someone would come tap on my shoulder and I would either freeze and then take about 30 seconds and then scream. So my reaction didn't match Mm. the circumstances um, or I would have that huge delay and, and sometimes both. And so I couldn't see scary movies. I couldn't, you know, do a lot of the things and even just regular things like someone tapping you on the shoulder. My reactions were very odd and peculiar and it made it hard to make friends. And, you know, you can imagine all the ripple effects. Well, and I think that we were talking about shame and shame is such a big part of trauma that then it goes, what's wrong with me and Mm -hmm. being ashamed of the way that you're reacting because something happened to your body. So go ahead. Totally. Yes. So that was a symptom that I just could not crack with with counseling alone. Counseling helped me in a lot of other ways, but it didn't really address that overactive nervous system that I, in that nervous system, I am so grateful for because that overactive nervous system kept me alive. It kept me safe. Many life-threatening situations I experienced, I was saved because of that overactive nervous system. But as I got out of those circumstances, that overactive nervous system wasn't serving me anymore. And if your nervous system is on that hyperdrive, I always compare it to like a car. Imagine you only had gas and no brake. Um, that's what my life was like. I was on constant gas all the time, which is a really scary ride. Well, it's ride. not only a scary ride, but it's doing something to you physiologically that it's also can contribute to ill health, physical health, and also um, in mental health conditions that can be challenging just to live life. Yes. Yeah. So I actually started having physical health issues that were going on as well. And so um, really doing dance and yoga, I would say were the most critical treatments for me personally and healing my own trauma from a body-based perspective, because it helped my body learn how to get back into rest and digest again, not just fight or flight. And so we've talked a lot about uh, this program about about that very thing, about the parasympathetic nervous system and the importance to learn that you have one. It's like you said, I only thought I had an accelerator. There was no, there was no break. And so um, I'm, what, I'm curious about the kind of yoga, because I know that we've learned that there's different types of yoga and there's a yoga that's called trauma-informed. And you mentioned that earlier. Can you speak to why that would be the kind of uh, yoga you might want to seek out rather than regular yoga? Why yes. would you want a trauma-informed yoga? therapist or um yeah for me especially when i was in that that constant state of fight or flight or gas when you're in a yoga class 
and all well-meaning yoga teachers come up and adjust you, that would trigger my gas even higher. So part of a trauma-informed yoga class is understanding that trauma does certain things to the body, and we can address those things in the classroom. For example, placing all the mats so that you're facing the door, so you can see who's coming in. Because a lot of yoga classes, you're facing the instructor and the door is behind you. And if you're in that state of hypervigilance or fight or flight, it's like, who's coming behind me? Who's coming behind me? So seeing the door is one example. Another thing is not touching people when you're coming around. So there are a lot of sounds. There's a lot of different aspects that can be addressed in a trauma-informed class. Well, and I, and I, I want to also say something. I've worked a lot with veterans and active duty service members. And if you've been in war, um, you often um, have that same hypervigilance that you're describing. And so also that can lead to getting into trouble so that someone come and touches you, let's say you're at a restaurant and you, you sock them or you hit them. And then all of a sudden the cops are showing up and you're going to jail. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, we're not talking about benign things. It's just like, well, oh, well, you know, Sydney, you scream, but then you're okay. Well, not really. It depends on the situation. Mm -hmm. So it's, so it's really important for our listeners to know that there is help available that your nervous system can learn to turn down the volume of the hypervigilance. And it doesn't mean people have said to me, well, I, but I need that because what if I'm in danger again? You're not going to lose it if you're in danger again. But if you're not in danger, it's one person, um, Jan Click, who's a therapist that I adore. She goes, but you have to tell the difference between when you light a match and when there's a forest fire. Mm -hmm. So you don't need to have the same reaction when you light a match than when there's a forest fire. And I think that's what, is that kind of what you're talking about, Sydney? That, exactly. That kind of metaphor. Exactly. And I feel like my life is proof. Uh, my life is not perfect by any means. And I don't mean to paint that picture, but I lived almost more of my life than not in that state. And I no longer live in that state anymore. So, I mean, it is possible, hundred percent possible to heal and not be in that constant state of gas. Yeah. Can I ask you another question yeah. uh, that we didn't plan on, but I it just, it's coming to me. Some people have shared with me that when they learn how to turn the volume down, that the, oftentimes they sometimes think there's something wrong because it's so unfamiliar. Mm -hmm. And they go, is there something wrong with me now that I'm not sensing the gas all the time? Did you have that experience and you have, or do you have any comment about that, ex that, that kind of experience if you're learning those self-regulation skills? A hundred percent. We like <laughs> what we know. We like familiar. We don't like change. So when you start healing from trauma, your body can start changing in ways that make you feel uncomfortable because for in my case, I only knew that way. So I co completely understand when you mentioned someone said to you, well, I won't be safe anymore if I don't have those in place. I had those same thoughts as well. And I think that's the key with, we say it's about building community because the key with being around other people who've gone through those experiences is they can tell you, I get it. You're not alone, but don't worry. That's, that's not going to be that way, but it's totally understandable why you feel that way. And having people that have been through the different stages of the journey to help walk you through it is so important. Well, and I think the other part that if you could comment about is that people have also shared about there's a certain, um, you know, we call it adrenaline seeking behavior that you can only stay up in that, you know, the accelerator on so long before you kind of, they call it an adrenaline dump. And all of a sudden you're like no energy, low, depressed. And then people have said, well, but that's so horrible. I'll do almost anything to get out of there, mm -hmm. including using substances that aren't good for us, right? Mm -hmm. So could you comment on that and how do you approach that with, your, with the resilient retreat philosophy? 
I think it's just, um, well, first of all, I think that's really common for people, especially in relationships. I see it all the time where they have had so much conflict in their relationships for so long. They don't know how to be in a relationship without conflict constant. Um, and, and so I, we see that a lot. And so I think how my approach is always meeting people where they are and having total understanding for their circumstances. Because I think a lot of times what happens is they have shame and stigma about it, which you touched on earlier, which then further perpetuates that even more. So, you know, for me, the best thing that I can do in those circumstances is meet the person where they're at, have complete understanding, validate their concerns, but also present if they're interested and able to, because sometimes people aren't ready for that yet, something that may help them along the way to get um, that high they're looking for in a way that's going to be more helpful and less harmful. Well, so then the other question I have that along the lines that you're talking about, I can imagine that if I was a person that had just hearing you talk, Sydney, I'm inspired by your, by your story. Right. And I'm sitting there, let's say I'm at home and I'm going, well, I'm going to try to get there. Cause I'm going to, I want to heal like Sydney's healed. And then they come to the resiliency retreat and maybe they don't feel like it's going fast enough. So can you talk about like the individuality of that? I mean, how long does it take? Is it short, long? Does it depend? Um, if you could just give your comments about that. It really depends on the person. And, you know, we're really gifted because people really come to us when they're ready to heal. So generally it, it tends to happen faster. Um, and it really, that's the only way healing can happen. I know that most people hate that because their son or their daughter or their friend is hurting and they want them to heal now, but it's really not in our timeline. It's in theirs. <laughs> And so we're really fortunate that people come to us generally ready because we're empowerment based, meaning they can leave at any time or they can come and spend it. They guide their own journey and they can engage as much as they want to. So I, I find that people that engage a lot tend to heal faster, which just makes sense. If, if anything, right, they're, if ready. Want, they're yeah. ready. If I wanted to pick up knitting, if I knitted every day, I'd start, I become a pro knitter pretty fast versus if I only knit once a month, it's going to take a while. It's just the way our bodies and brains work. Well, so let me ask you another question. <laughs> Is that, let's say I'm a mom or I'm a, a, I'm a relative of someone who has a really terrible problem with trauma and they don't want to get help. Can I call you and say, can I just bring them and drop them off at your doorstep and leave? Um, yeah, Lisa, why don't you answer that one? Because it sounds like, no, that's a no. Yeah, you know, it, it, what Sydney said is, you know, we have to pe- meet people where they're at in their journey. And if they are, you know, first they have to opt in to to get our services. They have to want to be here. They have to want to, everything Everything we do is confidential. So we they need to show up at the table. You know, having your mother bring you or a friend bring you, it's just not going to work. And they have to want to be there and they have to be open to being there. Um, And when we've done studies, um, people are coming to us about 13 years after their initial crisis, after their initial trauma. So I I think it does take time for people just to be mentally and physically and emotionally ready to and be open for change and to, to even be open to hope that hope really does still exist. So it's on their timetable. What I'm hoping, and what I'm hoping about, you know, what our show could maybe do for you, but also as you get to be known, that maybe people wouldn't have to wait 13 years, that they could find you sooner, because you know, the sooner they find you, the sooner they can get their life on track in a different way, and that's where I think there's also so hopeful about what you are all, you know, designing and planning to do. So now my next question we did plan, and that is okay somebody's coming to your door, you've screened them, they're ready to come the first day, 
it's now past November, so you're doing your three to five day retreats. Mm-hmm. What can they expect? What's it going to be like? All right, so go for it. Whichever one wants to start first, and you might want to go back and forth. So yeah, sure, we, we can yes, do the back yes. and forth. Go ahead. Um, so our, you know, our goal is to um, really provide a wonderful experience from even before they arrive. So we want people, again, it's trauma-informed, to feel comfortable with what they're about to experience with us. So whether they live locally or they live across the country, we want to give them a little video about what the retreat center is going to look like, feel like, and, and be like the agenda for the retreat and what are some of the offerings that they could participate in so they could just start thinking about that ahead of time. Um, We'll do an assessment with them so that they can um, do a a screening about, um, you know, again, what are they hoping to achieve by going to the three or five day retreat? What do they want to get out of it? What are some things that they may personally be struggling with so that our clinical team can work with them uh, before they even get there on, you know, you may want to try, you know, this, this, and this. And then when they get here, if, if they want to, you know, completely change that, that's up to them. So we'll, we'll guide them through, the experience. They'll arrive. Um, they'll be greeted. Um, we're going to go through an orientation process. They'll be shown their their bedrooms. Uh, we have um, double occupancy bedrooms and also single occupancy. But we really are encouraging people to be open to um, being with one other participant and in a sleeping accommodation if they're open to that. To try to again build that community. But if they're not, we'll be responsive and put them in a single room. And then um, just we'll have a lot of different social um, interactions for people, you know, around a fire pit, um, being out in the garden, going for a walk, doing some music around a fire pit in the evenings, watching the sunset. So there'll be a lot of opportunities for just really natural, quiet, social engagement and gatherings in addition to the, the programs uh, throughout those three and, and five day experiences. Well, I have another question. I'm hearing you saying this. Again. I, I would like to come to this program. <laughs> I mean, I, you might get people that don't necessarily have a diagnosis of post-traumatic stress. Um, so can people come if they're, let's say they're depressed or they have anxiety and maybe they haven't been able to pinpoint. I've worked with so many people that knew something happened to them, but they didn't have a memory of it. And mm-hmm. sometimes it happened before the age of two, before explicit memory was formed. So how will you, you know, if there's someone listening that may be in that bucket, how would you approach them? So when people call in to screen in for our services, and that could either be to join the wait list for the retreat or for our day program, um, they don't have to be officially diagnosed with any one thing, but we serve two populations. So if you are a survivor of trauma, from child abuse, say an adult survivor of child abuse, sexual Mm -hmm. abuse and violence, domestic violence, or if you are a first responder or helping professional, so think of nurses, firefighters, um, teachers, huge, huge amount of helping professions um, in the teachers calling us for help, especially post-COVID, then we are are the place for you. Um, You would screen in and then, you know, again, you have that whole um, plethora of services at your disposal and you can come to the retreats as well. Um, Okay. So, so, and I, I saw that you wanted to say something too, Sydney. Is there anything you want to add to that? Yeah, so I don't want to give away all of our criteria and everything that we address, but in essence, we ask behavioral questions. Mm-hmm. So we don't say, have you been sexually abused? We ask behavioral, and, that, and that's what commonly what we do in research, too. We don't say, are you experiencing domestic violence? Because most people don't label what they're going through as domestic violence, even if it, even if right. it meets the, the legal definition of that. So we go through behavioral questions 
and they don't need to meet any kind of mental health criteria, as Lisa mentioned, as long as they've experienced trauma and they feel like they're in a place where they want to move to thriving, we're, we're open to serving them. So I, th- I think the other question, and we, the, you know, in the field, we, we use the word comorbidity. And what that means is that you may have a mental health condition along with a substance um, use or misuse um, issue. Um, if people do are using substances, are they able to come to the program or is that something that would rule them out? Those are conversations we're still having. That doesn't rule them out for day programs. Um, And also if they're homeless or something like that, which we commonly see, that does not rule people out for day programs. I can see circumstances where it may rule people out for overnight retreats. For example, it's really common for trauma survivors to have substance use issues. And if someone's coming in that currently is having substance use issues, that could trigger another participant. So we always have to make sure we're creating a safe environment for those we serve. Like that is like one of our most foremount duties that we have to do. So um, I don't want to stigmatize people that are using substances. It's just every treatment may not be right time for them if they're actively using. And there's other program offerings that they definitely could um, find beneficial. One thing I really wanted to mention is we have a kind line Monday through Friday. So we have certified trauma professionals answering the kind line and anyone could call at any time and speak to someone and, and just have a support and a friendly voice at the other end of the phone. So um, if, that could also fill a need for someone that maybe the retreat isn't, you know, they're not ready for the three day overnight experience just yet, or even a day program. I have to say, I love that you call it the kind line because that's also a strength-based approach because sometimes people don't want to call a crisis line, but you think, Oh, there's a, a kind line. I, I'm thinking about, you know, Fred Rogers, you know, that <laughs> yeah. he was so kind, right? He was. Yeah, and, you know, if he was him. there, I would have gone talk with him no matter where he was. But I love the fact that you've been intentional about your language as well. And I'm, I'm really hoping that anyone who's listening that, again, who's had trauma can think about the different approaches because maybe they're not ready to go to a retreat, but they could call your kind line. Um, also, how about if people call that speak other languages? Do you have other language cap- capabilities knowing that you're in Florida? There's many Spanish speakers in, in the Florida community. Yes. Yeah, so we do. Um, if, if someone calls and, and Spanish is their, their um, first language, um, then we do have a translation service. So what we'll do is um, we'll speak to them and quickly um, enable our translator and call them back and can have that conversation. Well, so I'm also, could you please also right now, I want to make sure we have plenty of time for this. If people want to get a hold of you, could you say the telephone number again? And is there a website that people can go to and find out more about you? And say it slowly when you say it, whichever one of you is going to do it. Well, our phone number is 941-343-0039. And our website is resilientretreat.org. That's easy. Resilientretreat.org. I'm glad you made it easy. So you, I saw that you wanted to say something, Sydney. Go ahead. Oh, no, I was just going to say the, the website and, and that people can sign up um, online so you don't have to call us. And sometimes that feels more accessible for people, to, especially our younger um, participants, is to communicate on a virtual platform. And that was another question I, I had is that is do you, will you take teenagers that are under the age of 18 or do you have to be an adult? 
Right now, we only serve 18 and older just because we want to make sure that we perfect our services with a less vulnerable population. Um, but it is within our strategic plan for the, within the next couple of years to start serving youth as well. And something we are really passionate about doing is serving entire families. So a lot of times it's kids over here or youth over here and then you know, uh, adults over here. And so I really feel like it's important to address the entire family unit and, and provide services for the whole family. So that's something that's really important to us. And our whole retreat center has been designed with that in mind. Oh my gosh, I'm so glad to hear that. I, I, I've heard of so many programs where they go, oh, well, it's a treatment pro- program for children, but they don't look at the whole caregiver support network, which also includes teachers, Mm -hmm. teachers and parents and grandparents and whoever are those special people in the child's lives. Because oftentimes the children are the symptom bearers for the the deeper trauma that the family has experienced. So I'm so, I'm going to be looking forward to seeing how the resilient uh, retreat how it progresses as you as you get more more of your footing down. So I cannot believe we're almost done. I told you this was going to happen. So I'm going to ask each one of you to give me a sent, sentence. If someone's listening and they're hearing what you're saying, what are some words of wisdom for people that are suffering right now? And I'll start with Lisa first and then go to Sydney. My one sentence is just don't be afraid to reach out for support and know that hope is there. And Sydney? I would say healing is possible. I just, those are really short sentences. I mean, not only healing is possible, but what I'm really um, hearing from both of you is that there is hope. Mm-hmm. And I think that when we lose that hope is when sometimes we, we lose our, our footing in life, but there is this segue. And even though you're not ready to have the longer retreats, you have one day offerings, even though I know that might be hard for people to come from outside of um, the Sarasota area but I know you have plans for international, but we'll bring you back again and you can talk about some of your plans to you know, move even further into the world in bringing your ideas. Um, I just want to remind our listeners, um, I think that we have just listened to two women that are really living what you've heard me say over and over again, what else is true in the world? And there is hope, there's healing, and there's an invitation that you actually can do this without having to pay, which is pretty remarkable, both of you. And I know that doesn't mean that doesn't come with a lot of hard work to get donors and funders to contribute to your organization. So I'm hoping if there is somebody there with with some money out there, please go to their website and say it again. Sydney, what's the the website? I'm going to have you say it this time. Resilientretreat.org. And donate because you will probably, you can save somebody's life and you can save someone, a family's life. And I, I want to end, I was, I was reading some, some quotes on resiliency um, yesterday and I came across this one and I just loved it. It says, do not judge me by my success. Judge me by how many times I fell down and got back up again. And that's from Nelson Mandela. And what a wise person to talk about trauma and what he did in the world that he reminded us all what else is true. So remember, there's a kind, there's a kind line that people can call, go to their website, you've got their phone number. And until we meet again, please be blessed in your life and reach out to someone who might, who might need a kind hand as well. Until we meet again. Mm-hmm. 
Thank you so much for joining us this week for Resiliency Within. Please tune in again next Monday at 4 p.m. Eastern Time and 1 p.m. Pacific Time for another edition featuring your host, Elaine miller Karras on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel. We'll talk again soon. Resiliency Within, with host Elaine miller Karras is brought to you by Trauma Resource Institute, Incorporated. Visit TraumaResourceInstitute.com.